Welcome to Word Processing, a resource of Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. Listen in as we discuss issues of God, His Word, and His people. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to a new year, a new season of Word Processing. As is most often, my name is Andrew, and I'm joined today with Josiah. And Josiah, it's been a few weeks, but we are back together. Happy New Year. Can you believe, Josiah, it has been, we're like approaching three years now that we've been doing this podcast. Oh, time flies. No, I didn't realize that. That I mean, it, in some ways, it feels like we've only been going at it for a little bit, but it's like we are getting close to the point of another year having passed by of doing wow. the podcast. And man, it's just incredible. We're approaching 150 episodes. We're going to hit that in, in a few weeks. And it's... Uh, man, if it wasn't for the inexhaustible word, we would have run out of things to talk about two years ago at least oh, i don't seriously. have that much in my mind yeah seriously but we always have more and more and more that we can dive into and i mean the same is true of our pulpit right and new year new podcast season and conveniently a new sermon series at oak ridge that we just started this past sunday so starting with our usual recap just like can you maybe just remind us or for those maybe who missed it what is our new sermon series all about and where did we start specifically this week The new sermon series is short for our standards. It's six weeks long, Lord willing, and it's just tracing the six biblical covenants, the covenants that God makes with humanity throughout the Bible, more specifically throughout the Old Testament. And as I outlined on Sunday, uh, our plan is to tackle one covenant each week, starting with the Noahic covenant, which we looked at this week, moving into the Abrahamic covenant and then the Mosaic covenant, then the priestly covenant, which is lesser known probably, and then the Davidic covenant, and then finally the new covenant. And the goal is to show and discover how all of these fit together as a cohesive plan that God is unveiling for the rebuilding of what was lost in the garden. Hmm. And I said that every one of those covenants each week, we're going to ask three basic questions of each covenant. First, what is it? Mm -hmm. What is the Noahic covenant? Second, where does it fit into the whole? Why is it important in the grand sweeping narrative? And thirdly, why does it matter for us? Why do we care? Why should I care about the Abrahamic covenant, Mm -hmm. about the Noahic covenant? Especially, I think, for the ones that are specifically to a very different people group than we are. Exactly. And and, or like that priestly covenant you talk about that most people couldn't even articulate that is so specific and for such a very specific kind of moment almost. Yeah. But as Paul writes elsewhere, these things were written for our instruction. And as Paul writes to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God, including these covenants written to Phineas, written to uh, Abraham, Noah, etc. And so we want to pay careful attention. We do believe that they have implications, serious implications for us. And we want to look at that together. And so again, how these covenants fit together, what's the significant, the significance of a covenant when God speaks and makes an oath? Why is that important? Why should we listen? And things like that. So that's the new series that we're going into. Yeah. So let's hit on that last point there, because I know you mentioned on Sunday, but I really want to, again, for the podcast, remind it, keep it fresh in our minds, clarifying the difference between a covenant and just a promise. Because I know I've heard people trying to find this before, and usually it's something along the lines of like, you know, a covenant is something that both sides are bringing something to the table. Both sides are agreeing to something and offering something. If you do this, I'll do that. But even as you pointed out on Sunday, the Noahic covenant is pretty one-sided. This is God saying to Noah and by extension, all creation, this is what I am going to do. And so can you just again, clarify that, that difference between a promise and covenant? I'll try. I think that covenants and promises have a lot of overlap. Sure. In fact, we could say a covenant is a type of promise. 
in my study, I think that the main difference is the formality hmm. of the covenant and more specifically the oath. Yeah. The oath that is sworn. So you're right. Most promises, they can be at least just me promising you something. It's kind of unilateral, me promising you something. Whereas an oath, there is clearly defined terms, conditions, everything in there. And then one or more parties enters in. And it is a little unique in covenants like the Noahic covenant in that God takes the position of both parties. He actually says, I myself am swearing this covenant. And Noah and all of creation in that case are one of the parties, but on their behalf, God is entering for them. And so all that to say, I think one of the main differences is the formality, the swearing of the oath and all that that contains. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And it it fits in line with, I like what you were saying there, like every covenant kind of needs to contain a promise, but it doesn't mean that every promise is yeah. a covenant. And we know that they're different because even in the passage we looked at on Sunday, in Genesis 8, God promises, I will never destroy the world with a flood again. But then he actually swears a covenant in the next chapter. He says, now I'm going to swear a covenant. Mm -hmm. So we know that they're distinct. Mm -hmm. Why would he bother? If it's just a promise and another promise, why would he just do that again? He's clearly upping the ante by swearing this covenant, by swearing an oath that formalizes it. It's in kind some of like, way. almost that like legal component now. Okay, I've promised this, but now we're going to put it in writing, uh, not in this case, but that kind of idea of yeah, and then, sign on the dotted line. Yeah, there's the other facet here where people will say, okay, well, what about a contract? How is a covenant different from a contract? And one of the major differences is that a contract appeals to a higher authority. Mm. We sign a contract and under the law of this country. So someone else can kind of enforce this if one of us breaks it. That's right. Thing. Where a covenant is not like that. It's mm -hmm. just two people with an oath. Typically, uh, it can be someone with a higher authority initiating this covenant with someone of lesser authority, lesser means, mm -hmm. but not always. It can be just a casual thing, two friends or even enemies swearing a covenant with an oath that is very specific. And formalized. And there's so much we could talk about here. The importance and the weight of a covenant really depends on the clarity of the oath. Mm -hmm. If the oath is not clear, if no one understands what the stipulations are, then what good is the covenant? Sure. And that becomes increasingly important as we go from Noah's covenant throughout the others, because there are some who want to go back and redefine and capitulate on some of the details of the oath. But we would just say humbly that you can't do that or else the oath is null and void. We have to take God at his word, as I kind of mentioned mm -hmm. on Sunday. Anyway, that was a whole lot there. No, Maybe but I think it's, it's important. And I think because eventually we are going to get to covenants like the Mosaic ones that have response component as well where it's possible for someone to break it not god himself but the other party can break the covenant mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe this first one where it's like actually this is just god swearing on himself by himself that mm -hmm. this is the way it's going to be you know humanity can't break the noahic covenant because it's a covenant from god by god through god and yet there's still things that noah does he gets on the ark of course he builds the ark yeah uh, as we'll see abraham yeah. goes in circumcises his family there's something that we do to participate in the covenant but you're right the actual oath is sworn just by god and it is static because god himself has sworn it so let's talk about that first one specifically the noahic covenant and you emphasized on sunday that this first covenant really stands as the foundation for what i'm going to kind of call god's entire redemptive plan you can change that phraseology if you want but i don't think anyone really needs convincing why a solid foundation is important but help me understand why this covenant specifically is so foundational to 
you know, the rest of scripture, the rest of the mm-hmm. story, everything that we're going to look at from now on. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to kind of spoil some of the covenants of to come here, but you think about some of the, the contents of the oaths to be sworn. And they are kind of in some way building upon Genesis 3.15, this serpent that is going to have his head crushed, yep. right? And so we're waiting for this redemption, like you called it, I think you said. Yeah. Uh, and so eventually down the road, God is going to say, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a people. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you an everlasting kingdom. Well, all of those oaths, all of those promises, if you want to call them that, they kind of go away if the earth is washed away by a flood again. Mm-hmm. So what does it, it matter if this could just disappear? Exactly. So until creation is static and predictable, all these other promises and covenants, they really don't mean a whole lot because at any moment they could be washed away again. Mm-hmm. So how could the recipients of the covenants to come be sure that God means what he says if he's already destroyed the world with a flood before, he could just do it again. Mm-hmm. And so he takes that option off the table by saying, the dance floor is set. Mm-hmm. Nothing will change that. And now I'm going to build on top of that. It doesn't matter how evil things get, even if it surpasses that initial you know, flood requirement in the first place, that is not an option for me anymore. I'm not going to take that. And so you can trust that whatever I'm promising you, whatever I'm giving you has longevity and, and can't just be snatched away in the same way. That's right. Yeah. And so it's foundational in that sense, in a very almost literal sense. Yeah. It's the foundation. But then it's also foundational in a understanding covenants sense. Yeah. So I just think the covenants to come, some of them, well, I should say all of them really are going to become more complicated than the Noahic covenant, the one we talked about on Sunday. Look in the sky, see a rainbow, know that I'm not going to destroy the earth with a flood. Yeah, it's just very clear, right? Our kids can understand it. Right. (laughs) And I think that's by design. God gives this simple covenant at the beginning and says, This is your training wheels for understanding my oaths, Mm. how to understand me. What will you do with this simple covenant? Yeah. Will you take me at my word? Do I mean what I say? Is the contents of the oath that important? And we come out of the Noahic covenant and we say, yeah, I get it. And basically every Bible reader knows what God meant when he swore that covenant. Sure. Now we take that methodology and we need to remain static with that, consistent with that. So when we come to the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the priestly covenant, the Davidic covenant, the new covenant, are we going to apply the same reading methodology to all these other ones? So it's foundational in that way. How are we going to understand these covenants? Well, it gives us kind of a template, the training wheels to practice on. And notably, I mean, we can look at how people within scripture responded to that covenant in that exactly. we don't ever see anyone questioning whether God's going to flood the earth again. It's exactly. kind of just taken as a given. This is a covenant God swore, and we know now this is the case. Exactly. In fact, later in the Bible, God himself even talks about this Noahic covenant. And he says in Isaiah 54 verse 9, For this is like the days of Noah to me, when I swore that the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor will I rebuke you. So we see actually God interpreting his own covenant or showing us how to understand his own covenant. He swore an oath in Genesis chapter 9. How are we supposed to understand that? Literally, he's never going to destroy the world with a flood again? Well, actually, later on in Isaiah, he actually says, that's exactly what I meant. Mm-hmm. And we all know that's what he meant. Of course. So the question becomes, when we come to the later covenants, when he starts building this home, rebuilding after Genesis chapter 3, how are we going to understand them? Are we going to take him at his word 
or are we going to change the oaths, change the content right. by what we know about in the New Testament? Sure. And a lot of people do that. They take New Testament realities and, and read it back in. Read it back in. And I would just say, and many, it's not just me, many people will warn against that because if you play with the contents of the oath, you play with the covenant itself, the oath means nothing, yep. like we talked about before. Well, and it's it's easy to see that this one can really only mean something literal, whereas the other ones, people have found ways to spiritualize them, for instance. And this is, I guess, as you're saying, I think here is an important reminder. If this one's literal, why would the rest not be? That's right. Yeah. Well, Josiah, you also left us with three implications as to why this covenant matters to us. You know, we are not Noah. We were not on the ark. We did not see that rainbow. We still see them now, but we did not experience that covenant. But you started with the fact that this covenant reminds us that we are all sinners. And I think about the Noah story, and what I always find so fascinating is that it's the very next verses after the covenant with Noah that Noah gets straight to the sin. We get all this sin and darkness and family almost betrayal and and inappropriateness. And yet God knew that that was coming and who he was binding to when he made that covenant. It seems really important in acknowledging that God's promises and covenants are not just for perfect people, but he knew who Noah was and what Noah would do. In I don't fact, know what their question is here, but... <laughs> in fact, I would say the covenants are only for fallen people. Mm-hmm. Why does he make a covenant? It's not for himself. It's for people who are prone to disbelieve him. Mm-hmm. Some people will see covenants with Adam in the garden. First, I don't see it in the text. Secondly, why would God need to make a covenant with a sinless creature, mm-hmm. with someone who totally believes God? Now, that makes the sin that he and Eve fell into even worse, but you don't need to make a covenant with those who are unfallen. You make covenants, you double down, you enter oaths because, not because he might not keep his word otherwise, because we don't believe, because we are prone to wander, we are prone to disbelieve and find reasons to disbelieve. So yeah, God makes covenants only exclusively with sinful people. Mm-hmm. And you're right, right after the Noah Covenant, down we go again. Like mm-hmm. it gets dark very quick. You get the Tower of Babel in just a couple chapters. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. And so, but then more covenants come because God is rebuilding his creation. He has not abandoned this creation project, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. in spite of our sin. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just going back to what you were just saying, I was just thinking about the idea of what we were talking about, kind of like contracts, oaths, et cetera, that, you know, if someone says something to us, we may believe it, but seeing it written down or seeing it, you know, oathed or however you want to phrase that gives us that extra peace of mind of, oh, this now it can't be broken without consequence or it can't, and in God's case, it can't be broken, period. And I like that you remind us of that constantly and you did on Sunday as well, that this is not for God's sake. God, it doesn't matter to God. It, it is for his people so that we can look at this tangible thing and say, not only do we believe all prom- you know, the promises of God, mm-hmm. but here is a specific thing that God has reaffirmed, add that extra like stamp of approval on, yeah. uh, saying here's what you can look at and know yeah. that we can all look back now on these covenants and know the faithfulness of God through them all. And I think as we'll see as we go through the covenants, not all of them have a sign or you might call them a token of mm-hmm. the covenant. Sure. It's just a gracious addition. He promised, I will not destroy the world in a flood again. Then he covenants. Then he gives a sign and he'll do something similar with Abraham. Mm-hmm. But not every one of them has the token or the sign as sure. well. But it's still, what a gracious reminder that we can always look and be reminded that God has made a covenant. He has sworn something. And so it will come to pass. Mm-hmm. Well, the other implications were an acknowledgement of God's graciousness, first of all, 
in choosing to covenant with said sinful people, offering them redemption, as well as the reminder that God means what he says, as we talked about exhaustively today, as clearly demonstrated through the entire Noah narrative. You briefly pointed out some common areas where we struggle with this, but why do you think it's so hard for us to take God at his word? And how do we change that and grow in our trust of him? Why is it hard to take God at his word? Because I believe myself more than God. Mm -hmm. I trust myself more than my redeemer. Because we're all sinners. I think it comes down to that. Yeah. I have an authority problem. I think most of us do. Mm -hmm. Even as a redeemed person, someone in Christ, and I am beholden to my Savior, and I want to serve him, there are still times when the flesh is strong and I default to listening to myself again. Yeah. Or I'm embarrassed about what God has said or whatever the case may be. Or you just want to be in control. Or I want to be in control. Yeah, so... Why is it hard? Because we're still sinners. Mm-hmm. We're still bent in on ourselves. And I, like I said, we have an authority problem. And so I mean, that is just a constant. Mm-hmm. And it, it will be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even for those, you know, we say how much we trust God or we acknowledge the reality that we need to. And yet putting that into practice is so much harder Yeah, as sinful human beings. It is. Yeah. And sometimes, especially when what he says rubs up against things I want or things the culture is saying is true or things that make me uncomfortable or Mm -hmm. things that offend my sensibilities or things that call out my sin or remind me of my depravity on and on we go when he says things like that I in my flesh want to find an escape hatch I want to find relief for that pressure rather than being conformed into the image of God's son which the reformation process can be hard and painful at times rather than do that i want the easy way out and i want to just listen to something that affirms what i already want to be true and so it's it's dangerous it's something that we need to be constantly aware of and i think the second part of your question was how do we do that mm-hmm. i mean how do we grow in trust of anyone we spend time with them yeah we get to know them we get to know them so well that we know that their character and their love for us and their goodness uh, that begins to overshadow any doubt i have Mm-hmm. of what they're saying is good for me or not, right? They make this comment, God says, here's how I want you to live. And I say, oh man, that sounds hard. And I don't like to do that. My flesh wants to rebel against that. I want to live my own way. Mm-hmm. I want to do what was right in my own eyes like they did in the time of the judges. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But I want to get to a place where I know God so well that there's something in me. The Holy Spirit is helping me, living inside of me, helping me remember that This God, he is good. And even though I don't understand and can't comprehend what he's saying, he's never let me down before. Mm -hmm. He's always been right. And like Proverbs and and the Psalms say, like you have two paths to walk on. You can follow the Lord and it will go well with you and you will bloom and produce fruit or you can go in the path of the wicked Mm -hmm. and it will not go well for you. And I have to learn to trust the one who is beckoning me down the former path, even though my flesh is calling me down the ladder. It's a tricky thing. We need people around us. It's the ordinary things. Mm-hmm. Be in the word, understand the Lord, know who he is, love him, talk to him, be around other Christians, uh, fellow pilgrims. Um, I don't know what else you would add. Yeah, no, just on that same note. So in our, our youth class on Sunday, we're now going back through Colossians, which uh, you led us as a church through a few months ago. And uh, we were doing a bit of a recap this past Sunday and talking about that idea of pursuing holiness, living like Christ. And I use the example of um, you know, celebrity impersonators, people who, you know, find ways and they study people to be able to make themselves 
demonstrate a believable version. So immediately think, oh, clearly that person's impersonating this. And I asked the question of like, who do you think you could impersonate the best if I asked you to right now? And we talked about the idea that it's probably their family members, their parents, maybe their siblings. Why? Because it's the people they know the most, the people that they have been closest to, the people that they've observed the most. They're able to then live like them or act like them Mm -hmm. if they needed to. I said it's the same thing with Christ. If we say and we agree that as believers we are to walk like Christ, to be like Christ, how can we do that if we are not observing him, if we're not getting to know him, if we're not spending that time that an impersonator would do just for a comedy bit Mm -hmm. to get to know the person that we say is our Lord and Savior to live like them. Um, And then so I think that comes to mind just as you're saying, spending that time, being willing to put in that effort. I think the other thing that comes to mind for me, and we've talked about this, I think, before when we were talking about some of the Psalms and stuff of that kind of almost convincing yourself attitude that when you're struggling with trusting God, being willing to call that out and mention it and acknowledge like, I still need to, even though I'm struggling to trust you right now, I want to trust you more. I need to trust you. I know it's right to trust you. I'm maybe sucking at it right now, but I need to do that. And so God help me to do that. And constantly just that repetition of reminding yourself, asking asking God for strength, saying that to other people, acknowledging that before others, whether it's the piece of I'm struggling with this or just the piece of I need to trust or, you know, those truths that we all know that God is sovereign. God does love me. God is trustworthy. God is faithful. All the things that these covenants end up pointing to, reminding ourselves of these truths over and over until we get it drilled into our brain, until we can actually say it from a place of feeling, not just from our head. Yeah. Um, I've, I've found, you know, can be helpful at times. And I think other times it's, as with anything, you just need to do it. You need to experience it. You need to find yourself in those situations where you have no choice but to trust in God's promises, no choice but to trust in his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really see it come through. As the people who received these covenants did, they heard God's word, they heard his promise, they saw his oath, and then they saw the result of it. They saw what happened according to with that. And I think we need to do the same thing. Yeah. And never stop asking God for help. Oh, of he, course. He wants this for us. Yes. He's given us the helper, the comforter, the paraclete, the advocate, the Holy Spirit that lives in us that wrote these words he lives in us and as well in us as well and so we want to ask the lord daily lord help me help me submit to you today help me to take your words seriously mm-hmm. help me to understand your word like yes it is clear the word is clear but there are parts of the word that are also difficult at the same time i need your help lord yeah i need the body of christ to help me and you have promised to help me and i'm convinced that is a prayer that god will answer mm-hmm. and so i never want to be trying to do this on my own power sure i always want to rely on the holy spirit and ask for his help because that's one of the reasons that's one of his ministries today yeah. is to help us and to illuminate and teach and so i want to go back to that as well i think that's huge especially when it comes to things like this you know we're not going through a book of the bible right now we're kind of coming into these covenants as they exist throughout the narrative of scripture asking that god would help us to understand truly the implications of these how to apply this knowledge how to understand what god is doing with what he's saying through the people who wrote these these words yeah i oftentimes say it comes down to those three maxims god has spoken he means what he says and he's a good communicator communicator. and we want to continue to default to those and take those to the lord and 
say, Lord, help me to live like those things are true. Mm-hmm. Well, Josiah, thank you for the time today. And I'm excited to see uh, this series as we progress through it. I know I say that a lot, but um, as we go through, it's been a long time since we spent a lot of time in the Old Testament. I know most of these covenants exist in the Old Testament. And so uh, it'll be some, some definitely some different content that we've had recently. So I'm excited to learn and to listen and to discuss uh, over the next coming weeks. So mm-hmm. listener, thank you for being with us as we enter into a new year and a new season, a new series. And until next time, go with grace and peace. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are encouraged and learned something new. Visit oakridgebiblechapel.org to listen to sermons and for more information.